There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. Punched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Spring football? Almost gone time. First podcast in two weeks time. I know, right? Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols. 24-7 podcast, West Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Recording this on a Thursday night. Bringing it to you on a Friday morning. I'm not going to say live, but it'll be live the first time you're hearing it. So in a way, it will be live, even though it's not necessarily live that's true. In the truest sense of the word. Apologies for not being around last week, guys. We, we tried hard to, to get everybody on the same page with schedules and everything, and it just it was one of those weeks it didn't work. Really, when you when you look at it, it was Ryan's fault. I, I mean, agree. That's generally the assumption. It's usually Ryan's fault. That's, that's when I, anytime I get in trouble, I just say it was Ryan's fault. I don't know who was that. It was Ryan. He's like, Ryan doesn't cover baseball. No, it's still his fault. I don't know. What are, who got this basketball thing wrong, Ryan? Why don't you take the trash out, Ryan? Does that work? All the time. It's my go-to move. But in all seriousness, before we get going on this podcast, I will say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to all y'all who donated. And I know there are many of y'all who did donate to Dancing with the Knoxville Stars. We got that done, sort of. I don't know if you would call it dancing, but whatever it was, we got it done, and now that we're done with this, I can say thank you, thank you, thank you also to the lovely ladies at Knoxville Aerial Arts who put on a heck of a show uh, with us, and Rachel Enriquez, my partner. We, we had a great time. It was nerve-wracking. It did not go as well as any of the rehearsals had gone during the headlights, and we went first, so we knew we were not going to win. But congratulations to Leslie Ackerson from WBIR, she and her partner Jeremiah King, two very nice people. They won, and deservedly so, for an incredible dance. That was impressive. That you, they put on. They were really, really good. You looked like you were dancing, so I, I really can't say, I, I, you know, as much fun as it would be to laugh, I, I can't, I, what you did was probably better than anything I would have done, so I, I'm props to you for going out there and doing well, it. Well, no one says this, I mean, everyone says this, and no one's going to believe it. However, it, it has the benefit of being 100% true. That dance was worse than any rehearsal or practice we had done in the past month. Like, that was as bad as the first couple weeks when I was just learning the thing. That's how bad it looked. However, uh, the people around us, Rachel hit all her marks like a champion. Like, she's won the thing three times. She's really good. And all the the uh, are awesome. We had a ribbon dancer. We had a, a, um, a hoop dancer. We had someone on stilts doing splits carrying someone else. There was a lot going on. There was a lot, lot happening there. And I got to wear the most uh, sequins and um, all those things that I will ever wear hopefully, in my life. Hopefully. I've, I've never, honestly, it's, it's, it, was, it was interesting. And, and my fiance actually uh, designed all of that. And people kept asking us where we bought it. And I was like, actually, she, she Project runway that. She made that. So uh, it was a good time. And thank you to all y'all. The, the important thing before we move on is that we did get over the $1 million mark for East Tennessee Children's Hospital, uh, which is what we wanted to do, and we did it, and it was awesome. Thank you to everyone who donated. Thank you to everyone who went to the event. Uh, saw a few of y'all there, a couple of listeners, and we had a good conversation. It was it was a good time, and uh, thanks to all the guys on staff here at GoVoss 24-7 for uh, filling in for me on a couple things as I had to dance. You're welcome. Practice, like, all the time. You're very welcome, Wes. Because if you think that looked bad, you just imagine if I hadn't had to practice like four days a week. That would have been a disaster. So, again, thank you to everyone. We can move on now. And since we're moving on here, we will talk. Obviously, the main thing we're going to talk about today, <clears throat> and forgive me for my voice, guys. It's been one of those days. Um, talking about dancing just makes me emotional. But 
we do have to talk about the spring football game. We're going to be talking a lot about the orange and white game. That's the the uh, entree in today's podcast. But we do need to co- get a couple things out of the way first off. You need to have your appetizer and your salad. Yeah, and then the sorbet to cleanse the palate. And then, I don't know. That must be a brunch thing. I'm not familiar with that. You really never... Do they not do that at Memphis? I when you, when was, you have sorbet, sorbet is a dessert, is it not? No, you have a bite of sorbet in between courses at a really nice meal to cleanse your palate for the I've next dish. never heard of that in my life. I've never done it. I've maybe heard of it, but well, wow. you, you've De- heard of everything. Dealing with a couple, <laughs> dealing with a couple of hooligans in here. I mean, you're you're both wearing a collared we we, collared we shirt don't today. Go to, we don't go to brunch. That's we're thing. sports. That's riders. not what you do at brunch. That's what you do at a fine it's dinner. So, right, it's so easy to get him. It is that. <sighs> ridiculous. I'm glad you're learning that. But Crin- crinkle your paper. <laughs> I didn't have another stack size. This is just one stack. A paper here, so I can't really crumple it up. Yeah, but that's that's the script for today. Well, let's hope ten, for Tennessee's sake that they're not saying Saturday that that game looks worse than all of their rehearsals leading up to. That's because oh. I did there. Because oh. if that's the case, then it's going to be some really really bad football probably. So yeah. uh, we have not seen a ton of it. We are going to get to more of the spring game. The one thing we do need to get out of the way first is. Uh, on Thursday morning, Tennessee formally announced that Philip Fulmer has signed a four-year deal as Tennessee's athletic director. Not three, not five, four-year deal. Faux. Faux. One, two, three, faux-year deal. And it basically pays him about a million dollars a year. with a one. There's a $100,000 retention bonus uh, at the end of every year if he completes it. So if he does all four of those years, that's $1 million per year. Uh, he said that he thought that was the right amount of time. Because with everything they wanted to do, he needed more than a couple years to do that. But he's 67 years old, and I thought this was interesting. He said he did not want to be that guy who hangs around too long after he's needed. Now, a lot of people will say that is what happened when he was the head football coach at Tennessee, was that he hung around a couple of years too long. So uh, then again, you could make the argument that Tennessee would have been in a better place if it had never fired him. If he was still 67 years old coaching the Tennessee football team, would it have gone 4-8 and last year? We'll never know the answer to that. But it is a four-year deal because – and he didn't say it's definitely just going to be four years. I was going to say, did he is he open to a second deal? That's the key. Yeah, no, he, he said he was. He said that, you know, obviously if he doesn't get the job done, it might not last four years. Sure. Because uh, he knows the environment he's in. This and is Tennessee. And it's smart for UT not to – put themselves on the hook for more than four years because let's face it, look how the look how the last one turned out. You've got to yeah, give yeah, yourself Phil, an out just in case. Yeah, Philip sold it as something that he wanted that he, he thought he wanted it to be four years because he thought that was the right amount. Now whether that's actually what he wanted or not, that's because, what he got. Now Philip can sell it to you as that. Because he said it at times already in the last few months that he envisions doing this for maybe five or six years. He he's he's not just limited it to a handful, you know, three or four years. He said ideally five or six because he and he made the point today i know also that he didn't want to do this for just a couple years because that wouldn't give him time to really fix anything so but but he didn't want to hang around longer than his welcome so i thought that was appropriate i thought the salary is about appropriate for what you would want for a for an athletic director and and i thought philip said a lot of the right things now he did not say that this would be the only contract he ever signed i mean he you know, as I've said, my personal belief, knowing him and covering him since 2000, basically, is I think old blue eyes, you'll get him out of that job on, you know, in a coffin or you fire him. I, the, I don't know that he'll just ever want to walk away. If this goes he well. He loves this place too much. I don't think he'll do that. I, I mean, I think he's going to be willing to ride off into the sunset on his own terms. But I do think if it goes well, I have a hard time envisioning him just doing this for four years. I think that's fair. I think we can hopefully probably all agree on that. Patrick's over there being quiet like a sniper in the weeds. I'm just listening to the conversation. Do you not have an opinion? No, no, really hot take. No, no, no hot takes. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of Tennessee fans are happy because um, it's still sort of you know it's Fulmer. He brings back a lot of good memories, a lot of good nostalgia of what he accomplished here as, as the head coach, and uh, I think they're hopeful and that he can sort of do the same thing. As the athletic director. Now, obviously, the main thing that he wants and that everybody wants is for this football program to be back to what it was when he was the coach. Yes. Um, I mean, if, if. And if, he makes no bones about it, that, saying it's the priority. Yeah. And if, if they have, you know, if they're good in soccer and volleyball and softball and all this stuff, that's great. But I think most people care most about whether, you know, whether they're performing on Saturdays in the fall. So 
and, and Wes, you talked to him. I think some of the stuff he said about Pruitt was really interesting. It seems like, I mean, and you would expect an athletic director to, you know, back up the football coach you just yeah. hired. I, I That's didn't not ex- anything new. I didn't, I, I didn't expect him to go, you know what, guys, I got bad news. I think I got that one wrong. <laughs> that would <laughs> I know, but just some, <laughs> that of the, been an some of the things he said, though, I think are, yeah. are, are a good sign. And, and I think, I think Philip feels like he can relate to Pruitt because Fulmer had never been a head coach either. And yeah. so he, he felt, I guess, and he sort of touched on this when he introduced Pruitt that, you know, I, I had been prepared for that job for working for Johnny Majors and uh, working, going from position coach to coordinator, all that stuff. And I think he feels the same way about Pruitt that he's been prepared, even though he's never been a head coach before and that's an unknown. He feels like he's been prepared by working for Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Mark Richt. Uh, and and those guys. He did make one, a couple of interesting points about that. First off, he did throw out the caveat that, you know, he pointed about chest high and said, you know, when I got the Tennessee job, Tennessee was here, and then we took it here, and he pointed over his head. He said, right now, we're, we're about right here, and he kind of put his hands at, like, waist level or almost knee level and was like, we're right here, so it's going to take some time to get back where we want to get. He said, I would like it to be immediate, but I think we all need to be realistic about that is what he said. And uh, he said we'd like to get a couple top-notch recruiting classes in here and then let's see where we are in a few years. So he basically almost said three years. That's the other thing. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, about the four years. Will he have the football program back where he wants it by then? You know, if even if Jeremy Pruitt works out pretty well, year four might be the first time you really even have a chance to contend, much yeah. less win a championship. So he may Because wanna... of what George is doing in the East right now. Yeah. It's, it's, because they're, they're, put, they're having a really good football team and then stacking an unbelievable recruiting class on top of well, it. Well, let's face it, even Butch Jones, as well as his – first three or four years went at times it was only year four that they really had cycled up to the point where that they were ready to con- contend for a title um they were to, ready in year three they were ready in year three to contend and I blew say. it but they were ready to win one in year four so i mm, they were ready to win one in year three <laughs> i thought they, I, th- I think they were ready. not not the not the sec i think they were ready to win the eastern year yes three. yeah yeah but so yeah anyway so if things go really well, and yeah, you do have Georgia to contend with now, are you even really ready to win a championship in year four? That may but, be a stretch. But at the same time, they took two playoff teams and almost beat them. So, sure. Yeah, they did. And, and I will say this, too. He, he added that uh, when he talked about Pruitt, he said the one thing that he really likes, there's a couple things he really, really likes about Pruitt. One is that uh, what you see is what you get. And he said that during the interview process, it's not uncommon for people to say, yeah, I'm going to bring these six, seven, eight coaches with me. And he goes, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, yeah, if you can really get about three of those guys, that's pretty good. He, he said that Pruitt hired darn near every single person that he said he could hire, and he said he had seven guys in the building two days later. And Phillips said, that just blew my mind, frankly. He said, that guy, you could tell how many people wanted to follow him. You could tell how close he is uh, with some of these people and how much they believe in him. So he goes, that, that felt like kind of early vindication that, you know, he, he said, listen, if you give me these resources, I can hire these people. And he hired those people. So he was thrilled to get that done. And, and then, you know, he, he said on top of that, he likes the fact that Pruitt is as no fluff as he is, no frills. Uh, he said that it's definitely different and people are going to have to get used to the fact that Pruitt is not going to walk around selling everything all the time to everybody because that's not who he is. What he cares about is football, and he cares about recruiting, and he cares about winning football games. He's not Ray Mears. He's not Bruce Pearl. No, and he's certainly not Butch Jones in that way. He's not going to try to sell you something you don't want or need. He's not. He doesn't care about that. What he wants is to get his team ready to play games. That's why there was no fan day that you know before the spring game because he wanted his team to kind of treat it he tried to get them into a hotel, but logistically they couldn't make it work out. Probably there weren't enough rooms available, people coming in town for the game, I'm guessing. But he tried to get everything as close to a home game as he could with getting the guys ready because he wants his team to be focused on playing games. And he doesn't want, you know, during if you're sitting there playing Alabama, you're not going to be signing autographs a couple hours before it. That's just not how you do things. So that's that's the way he goes about his business. And Fulmer said he likes that. And I asked Philip, you know, because you are who you are in this state, do you think that gives Pruitt a better chance to get away with that? Because you can fill some of those responsibilities. You know, I, I didn't want to say kind of like Mal Moore did at Alabama, but kind of the same thing. And, and Philip said, yeah, he said he, he thought he could probably help Jeremy that way. He said he did not want to uh, kind of be watching over his shoulder the whole time. He didn't want to be all up in his business, but he did say, again, if he wants my help, I'm right down the hall. 
and he said that he can go handle a lot of the banquet circuit things maybe and, the, you know, that kind of stuff that, that Pruitt's not great at and doesn't want to do. So I think that's good. And I, and I think Pruitt, and Pruitt has said this before, that he, you know, he knows enough about Tennessee's history. I mean, he grew up not that far down the road. Yep. And so he knows and respects Fulmer. And so I think he, you know, the way he said it before is, why wouldn't I rely on him if I needed to? Yeah, and, and I think he saw the way Saban did it with Mal Moore at Bama and thought, okay, yeah, th- this this could work. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. And he did say, Fulmer did say that Pruitt knew more about Tennessee history than people probably thought. And he said that he, that he thought Pruitt, he thought some people might be surprised to learn how eager Pruitt is to learn some of those things about the history. Because, again, while he wants to run his program his way and he wants to kind of build this thing in his image and, and he's he's in charge of it and that's how it's going to be, he does want to know how Tennessee did what it did back in the day. You know, the because every state, every program has its own culture, its own identity, its own way of doing business that works for them. And I think he's smart enough to know that history can be your best guidebook. If Tennessee used to do this a certain way and Tennessee won, well, why would you ignore that? You should at least consider it. So Fulmer did say that it's almost like he wanted to say, hey, guys, I know he's a Bama guy, but he does know some about Tennessee football. Yeah, and the way that Pruitt worded it, I went back and looked up. This was, I guess, an interview he did back in March, is that uh, Fulmer is going to look at everything, what – about the football program through the eyes of a football coach because that's what he is. He's not yes. going to look at it as an administrator or, you know, uh, not a football coach because that's how he is. Uh, and something that Pruitt said a few times is that, you know, the best coaches in this game need good people around him. I mean, Nick Saban's a great coach, but he's also had some excellent, outstanding staff. That's why he's that's why he's got a long, a growing tree of, of assistants who've Takes a village. become head coach. And, yeah, and, and we've heard him say that before. And, and I think Pruitt has said – too that you know he doesn't have all the answers and so if if he's willing you know he's willing to listen he may not necessarily take the advice but he's willing to listen to the advice uh and certainly i think that's a uh a dynamic there that he's probably using with fulmer that you know fulmer's got something he can bounce an idea off of him doesn't mean that Pruitt's going to do it doesn't mean that Pruitt agrees with him but it's there and and that's it's, it's sort of a different dynamic because and i think fulmer touched on this today is that he's a football coach at his core, that's what he is. He's not. He he knows what it's like to be, you know, in the fire. And he knows what the pressure cooker is of being the head coach uh, at a place like Tennessee at a, in in a conference like the SEC. Here here was the quote from Fulmer. One of them, he on Pruitt. He said he's exactly like I thought from being a detailed person, an organized person. He brought seven guys in here the second day on the job. That was incredible. He's got a really good staff around him. They're football coaches. They're not anything about fluff. He's not anything about fluff. I like that. I like that it's black and white with him. He's a good communicator. Well, he's not a great communicator if he doesn't get what he wants, but then you work through all that. I like that he's driven. Basically saying that Pruitt is not afraid to step in there and say, I want this, and if you don't give this to me, I'm not going to be happy with you. And, I mean, that, that takes some, uh, some chutzpah for, for, a better, for, for lack of a better word there. That, it, it takes a pair to do that. And Fulmer said point blank that he loves the fact that Pruitt is driven and will walk into his office and say, I need this. And he won't be afraid to ask for it. And Phillips said, if it's feasible, I'll get it to him right then and there. If it's not, I got to tell him, well, Jeremy, we're not going to be able to get this right now, but but we hear you and we're going to get this soon. So, uh, and I think he's they've loosened the purse strings with the staff despite having to pay some buyouts and some other avenues. So they're making an investment. They're doing what they need to do on that end, on the front end. So I think a lot of this is good news for Tennessee, uh, and people are going to have to grin and bear it on the field this fall. It just is what it is. If you think this team's going to be really, really good, guys, I just I don't think you're going to be very happy this fall because I don't – this is going to be however much – whatever your expectations are, that can ruin your mood if your expectations are at an unfair place. And I just think that people need to think, okay, try to get to a bowl game, compete your tails off, play an exciting brand of football, give yourself a chance. If you can do those things early on and you can get some momentum on the recruiting trail, okay, then you can, then you got something going forward. But uh, I think if people can withstand early on how tough it's going to be, 
Uh, I think that that Philip feels like they've got a chance with this guy, and I think that's that's what he wanted, and I think that's what he's gotten. Anything else on a Pruitt Fulmer before we move on, fellas? No, let's talk spring football. Yes, the orange and white game. Uh, I don't know if it's sponsored this year, but I, it is dish. Yeah. Oh, it is. Well, they're not paying us a dime, so I'm not going to call it that. It's the orange and white yeah. game uh, presented by GoVoss 24-7. Why don't we just call it that? Team DirecTV. <laughs> it's, the, it's the GoVoss 24-7 podcast edition of the orange and white game. <laughs> we, we might get in a little bit of trouble for that, but, you know. Why yeah. not? We could at least our, hey, hey, our, contacted our by name, an attorney for that. Our name's been on the billboard uh, in the stadium before. It has. This now, it's true. not been that whole Rick Russo covering the Vols for 87 years or whatever it is that it always gets his face up there all the time. But I think it says, basically, you know, our, our, our name's been on there before. But it is the orange and white game, uh, not presented by the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. But it will be Saturday, 2 p.m. at the time that it often is. Uh, and, and for those of y'all who have not heard this so far, it's going to be, um, as far as we can tell, pretty much an actual football game this time around, which we didn't know that it, it would be necessarily because they got some depth issues at some places. But well, they're going to divvy up the teams, offense versus defense, and they're going to give and, it a go. And teams were being decided Thursday night, uh, around maybe not too far from the time of this recording. So we'll see if ro- rosters are released ahead of time. I, I'm not sure they will be, but they probably won't include heights and weights. Yeah, whatever they do, because the heights and weights are not even on the official website anymore. Yeah, you won't see those. But but, but maybe we'll find out who quarterback number ten is for the first time. And yeah. four and four. I have no idea who number four is either. But you could tell Jeremy Pruitt when he talked about that earlier this week. He he said, you know, hey, we're we're going to divide it up basically the best we can. There may be some positions where that's tough, but you know, you're going to have your most for the most part ones and for the most part twos and some. Some of those races are going to be too too close to call. You know, if you were playing a game tomorrow, you this would maybe be the way you were going. But yeah, there's some key players not out there and stuff. But this at least gives us a glimpse of sort of a depth chart. So it's going to be really interesting to see how how these teams are divided and how they line up. This is where Wes talks about the rep chart. <laughs> well, here's the thing, guys. They don't have a depth chart. They have a rep chart. Here we go. However, Jeremy Pruitt did say that it will not matter going forward. But that, or it'll give give them a gauge at best going into the off season. But they're going to divvy it up pretty much as ones and twos. And a lot of those places they've not they've not done that. You know they've had different guys moving in and out at different places, and and they're going to have uh, in terms of the guys who have practiced the best, the guys who have produced the most on a daily basis. They're going to be with the ones, and the other guys are going to be with the twos. And so uh, that will tell us that right there. Just looking at those rosters might tell us more about spring practice than anything we've seen to this point. It might. I'm just glad there's not going to be any circle of life, no quarterback challenge. Thank God. I will say this. In their They're going to get out and actually play football and not have, like, football and then do I like didn't mind the QB ones. challenge. But yeah, the that's was stupid. That's, the mo- that's what most fans are saying. I, I, I thought it was interesting how frustrated some fans were by the fact that it wasn't an all-out football game with no games and stuff in between. I actually thought... Some of that stuff was kind of fun to watch. I, I thought some of the the one on one drills and Ryan stuff. Ryan likes Butch Jones. Not saying that. Is that what you you want to bring Butch Jones back? No, that's not what I'm saying. But Butch, Butch made it a should we send it was up, a show instead of a yeah. should, should we send up the Butch signal? I don't know if I don't know if it's still uh, if it's still attached just, here somewhere downtown. But could we send it up? Yeah, like the circle the circle of life and all that stuff. It was overplayed. But I thought you know wide receiver DB one on ones, a quarterback challenge, like you said, was kind of fun. Like some of that stuff wasn't awful. That's all I'm saying. And Pruitt's not going to be standing there like a jackass with a microphone in his hand the entire Definitely time either, not. which will be... There will be no celebrity play callers. No pace. celebrity play callers. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. going to divvy that thing no, up. No cardboard cutouts of Jawan Jennings catching a Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> that was probably too soon. <laughs> you wait... You wait to do something like that to memorialize a play like five years after the fact, not the very and, next year. And I know fans... Or have know, Juwan go there himself and stand there sure. and try to catch it. And I know some fans are disappointed that they're not going to have the fan date. We should mention they're going to have one, supposedly, and have one in August. The plan is to have one in August. That mean, that will be in conjunction with an open practice. It'll be after, I think they said, the open practice. So it'll be kind of be like a long day for fans uh, to come out and watch the team and get some autographs. That's going to be just one more thing we have to go cover, though. Yeah, you can get your autograph if you sit here and watch his practice for two hours. I like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like... You know, you can see Neyland Stadium, the lights um, from this house right you can, there. You can also get Wes's autograph if you show up, if he's there. So if you gave me, like, a really, really strong, really, really strong telescope 
you could you could definitely see at least something that was happening. But uh, getting back to my point, my I know a lot of fans were, have been no disappointed. No point. And, and they've said that you know they may not be coming now. They may not be bringing their family. It was, and for for a lot of fans, this you know it was fun to come and interact with the players a little bit, get autographs. Fans like, will camp out for hours for that. Yeah, stuff. I mean, they you come people, overnight. people show up at five in the morning yeah. to get in line for that stuff and. You know the videos of people at the beginning of Sabins yeah. when it opens and, and they're running to get the. Oh yeah. God, I love that. And yes. you got you know you got people dressed up in white tuxedos with orange shirts for the spring game and all that stuff. And, and I think that's in August, isn't it? I think that's one of the things I realized. I think Alabama does theirs in the fall, which is one of the well, reasons whatever, this maybe is moving. whatever Alabama's doing. That's what this is. Yeah, <laughs> from that uh, from this point on. But I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Pruitt, Pruitt is using Saturday as a chance to get his football team better. That's what he's trying to do. And so, I I can't you know can't fault him for that no he's I, a football coach he's paid to win games he's not paid to sign autographs now at the end none, none of it's going to matter if they don't win enough and that's something that Pruitt does get I do wonder sometimes I think this is going to be an, another topic for another day but I do think it's fair to wonder does you know at some point is he going to have to be a little bit more you know open-minded about doing some of these things that he doesn't love doing because it is 2018 because you're not he didn't but, come but, to he didn't come, well, he didn't come to Tennessee the way Saban came to Alabama as a as already a national champion as a head coach. He you know he, he might have to sell some things that he doesn't want to do at some point. Yeah, but at the same time, you can make the case that anything that your predecessor was doing, you should do the opposite because right. he went four and eight. Here, I mean, I mean, you're you're coming off a four and eight season. Why would you try to emulate anything that you that the, that Butch Jones did? Why? It's true. Well, here's why, the, why would you do you know? I, and the fans grew accustomed to that stuff, but. The fans don't like four and eight seasons. I'll say this I mean, too. Jeremy Pruitt doesn't need to sell the program so much. I think he does need to put himself out there though, because if he just presents himself as he is, I think fans like him for the most part yes. so far. He's yes. a likable guy for in, in public settings like that. In his own kind of yeah. way, he definitely is. He's got a really interesting vibe about him. He, he just comes kinda... off very down to earth for the most part. He answers questions he wants to. He doesn't answer questions he doesn't want to. I think fans appreciate that instead of being lied to the way Butch Jones often made them yeah, feel. Yeah, someone on Chattanooga Radio the other day was asking me, trying to put it really, really nicely that Butch didn't always be, what not always the most forthcoming person. Yeah. Uh, for life. And basically I said, what you're trying to say really nicely is that he's a liar and not, not someone who lies, a liar. I'll go ahead and say that. Someone who a majority of the time when something came out of their mouth, the exact opposite was the truth. <laughs> that If you do that more often than you actually tell the truth, you're not just someone who lies. You are a liar. So I did make that distinction. Uh, and, and I don't, and, and that I like the way Pruitt. Tell us how you really feel, Wes. Seriously, the, I, didn't, I didn't have to egg you on this time. <laughs> it's the truth. I'm just the one who will say it. But if I was saying it all along, we were going back and looking at. Why some didn't of the, y'all listen to me? We were going back and looking at more some of the spring, the spring award winners from last year, and it reminds you of just how much of what was said oh, by the old staff. We've got a good tee up for that in a little bit. We do. That's going to be fun. But um, I, I think it reminds you of just how much of what was thought to be spring hype from the the old staff was really just spin to make you think that things were going better than they really were in some cases. Yeah, and, I and I like the way Pruitt doesn't, the way he answers or doesn't answer, I like the way he doesn't answer questions when he chooses not to yeah. because he will tell you flat out, I'm not telling you that because I want my team. It, I think it, I don't think it helps my team or my program to mm-hmm. tell you that. It, I don't, if you just, just come out and say it like that, that's that. awesome. Fans I, respect that. I think everyone pretty much does. And, and, you know, some people have said that there's not been a whole lot of like real info that's come out this yeah. spring. I, I still think it's been much more refreshing to cover than it was. Yeah. Yes. Because when you get what you get, what you get, you feel like is real. Yeah, and it's been and the, the I guess the best example of this is what Pruitt has talked about with the running backs the last couple of times he's been asked about that group. Um, I mean, Ty Chandler's had a couple of really good scrimmages. He's probably their best running back. He's not well, not probably. He is their best running. One back. of their best players, but he's not like what ex- exactly what they want at that position. And so people are saying, oh, he's gonna you know Ty's gonna leave because he's not gonna get this many touches, all this stuff, yada yada yada. Pruitt has said multiple times this spring that the best players are going to play. Ty Chandler is his best running back at this point. Now, could you know, two of the other guys come in, Madre London, Jeremy Banks, are they going to come in and maybe change that? I don't know. We'll see. But right now, Ty Chandler is probably one of their best offensive playmakers. They're not going to not get him the ball just because he's not perfectly what they want. Right. Yeah, he, he, he is an honest guy, and he will tell you what he wants is for his team to win games. And he's going to everything he says, everything he does – is in order to get his team 
to go win games. And I, I find that refreshing. I Now, we'll, I, I'm sure things will change at some point in some ways and we'll have our little disagreements like we always do. Hey, that's part of the job. That's no big deal. That, that's, that's just part of the business. But uh, it's like Omar says, you know, in the wire, all in the game, yo. But if, if things just – if he can just kind of keep this – stay on this track – I'll have no problem with it because, and he will tell you if he doesn't really like a question, he will tell you, you know, he, he's just honest. And, and you know what? If you just tell everybody the truth, you never have to remember what you told anyone. And that is something my dad told me when I was a kid, something, I, one of the things I try to live life by. And I think it's good for anyone to try to live their life by that. Just say the truth or don't say anything. And that's refreshing. However, I do wonder, and even Fulmer earlier on Thursday when asked about how many people will be at the spring game, he said, guys, I don't know. You might know better than I do. And, and I, I've said before, I've got such a wide number. I mean, it could be anywhere from like 30. You could throw out there 30 or 70. I would have no idea. I really don't know the first, how many are going to be there. The first thing is that the weather's going to be good. Yep. That'll help. They've been promoting even that on social media, trying to get people out. Yeah. Like, hey, Here's look, the, weather. the weather's going to be good. Come on. The weather forecast brought to you by the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. <laughs> Just saying, but yeah, that's that's I always be a meteorologist. That's always a big variable. Easily. Yeah, I can dance better than some of them. I know that from last week. Oh, dang! Throw some shade out there. Well, there were a couple of meteorologists there, so really could have been talking about either well, one. That's a confident dancer now, but oh god, no, I suck. <laughs> but he's just talking trash in seventh, eighth, and ninth place. But yeah, the so boom, the, the weather helps, but I think that is offset somewhat by the lack of a, a fan day. I think the the families that you had come out. I think they're much less likely to come out without the uh, appeal of the autograph session. Plus, so. it's on TV. Yeah, and it's on TV. So I think there aren't as many reasons for fans to come out. And yeah, I think the fact that there hasn't been all that much buzz out there this spring, the fact that people aren't necessarily fired up to see how much better Jarrett Garantano's gotten, they're not necessarily fired up to see, you know, I mean, maybe some of the newcomers, I think, are a draw and stuff like that. But th- this team, the fact that it's not expected to be very good. I think all those things are kind of working against them. So the weather helps a lot, but I don't know. I'd be personally a bit surprised if this crowd's beyond 50,000. I think they've done really well if it gets beyond that. The Govals 24-7 podcast. Uh, Orange and White game will be televised on the SEC Network. The SEC Network brought to you by the Govals 24-7. <laughs> podcast. Yeah, the podcast. Not the website, just the, just the podcast. Well, we have different promotional deals for the podcast and just the website. We sell them both. You know, sometimes, you know, it's for all a cart. Sometimes people want both. Sometimes they just want one or the other. It depends on the market. It Listen, it's science. I don't want to go over all of it, but let's just say our uh, our advertising department's doing really well. Let's just put it that way. Uh-oh. Brace yourselves. Brace yourselves. We have not actually talked about for the people who go to actually watch this game. When they go to see this game, what are they going to see other than we will all see some 11 on 11 football for the first time yeah. in a long time. So, hey, that'll be kind of neat. But what what positions, what players, what what do people need to watch and what do you think people will want to be out there to see? I, I think let's start with, I think, the three obvious things. Um, I think you always start with the quarterbacks when the starting quarterback has not been decided. And, and right now, of course, it's an incomplete battle because Keller Christ isn't here, but there's been just enough talk throughout the spring that Will McBride's looked not bad and that Jared Garantano hasn't run away with the job, that it's still a battle between those two right now. Will the thrill. And um, so, yeah, I think you want to see how those guys play, you know, the, how the the second key, I would say, is the offensive line and how that group plays in front of, J- of Jared Garantano. Will McBride will have a lot to do with how, how well they do because I think they've struggled to protect, protect the quarterback at times, as they did last year. And then I think the other thing, the third thing, the obvious thing that everyone's looking at is the cornerback position. Can anybody at that position look good, basically, to make you feel more confident that they're not in really bad shape there? Because uh, I think the the move of Alante Taylor, a lot of people watch him, I'm sure. The move of Taylor to cornerback last week, I think, was concerning to a lot of fans because they're like, does that mean even Carlin Phils and me and all those guys they've tried over there are just no good? Does that mean they're just throwing things at the wall trying to see if something works? Or does that mean maybe they're okay and Taylor just maybe has more upside at corner in their minds? It's an interesting experiment, and it, it leads to a lot of questions about cornerback that maybe we can start to answer after we see some 11-on-11 football in, involving that group Saturday. Yeah, I, I think the quarterbacks is what, what most – 
your casual observer, that's what they're going to be looking at. And, and like, Jerry Garantano has only played on how many games has he started? Maybe six? Started six last year, yeah. He's already, like, kind of a polarizing player. Like, everyone yeah. either thinks he's, like... The whole Georgia, the Georgia Tech game changed yeah. everything for him. Yeah, I mean, some people still harp on that while ignoring that Quentin Dormady basically quit on his team in the middle of the year. Yep. Um, Other people are big defenders. We did, we by, the mention- way, by the way, congratulations on Quentin Dormady, who uh, Patrick just called a quitter for going to the <laughs> University of Houston. We could have mentioned that early in the podcast. As, as I'm, I'm just saying, like everyone, the, the Houston Cougars brought to you by the Go Balls 24/7 podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying, everyone craps on Garantano for. I mean, Dormady had a surgery. It wasn't have to have. Yeah. It wasn't a good moment for Garantano. He knows that. I think he's learned from it. And I think you people still harping on that are forgetting what. They saw at the end of the year when that kid was playing on one leg and getting the crap beat out of him. I mean, that guy went. I don't know how he like walked off the field in Tuscaloosa. I mean, yeah. Alabama beat him to a pulp. It was like he got hit with missiles. Yeah, and he had his head coach th- serving him up for hail marys yeah, at he, the end of the first half. He, 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 he was crushed. The, yeah, he was the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> it's just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh. Jarrett, your leg fell off. No, it hasn't. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, late in the year he's playing on one leg. He's playing because he has to. I mean, they don't have any other quarterbacks. Because Dormady had surgery that you know he either didn't need to have or could have had earlier. So, um, yeah, I, I he again you like just looking at our message board and that's just a small um, slice of the pie, I guess. But everyone either thinks he's going to be like the next great quarterback or they think he's terrible. It's like I I don't my, my thing with Garantano is I don't think you can hold anything from last year against him. But at the same time, I think time, that's where our society is, though. I mean, that, that's that, true. I mean, that it, it's a hot take society. It's a hot take society, whether it's sports, politics, business, whatever it is. That's just we we've kind of the whole CNN crossfire slash PTIization of of everything has just kind of well, turned everything into you know black and white, you know left and right. Well, and people make quicker decisions than ever on players too. I mean, Josh Dobbs is freshman year. There were a lot of people that thought he was terrible, and a lot of people that thought he was great. And, and some people still don't think he was great. And yeah. I think that has been totally debunked. Sure. <laughs> I think he, I think he basically yeah, saved yeah. a lot of bacon when he was Did here. Did you see what happened when he left? But a lot of guys it sucked. But a lot of guys who are young and not that good yet, sometimes they're thrown in there and they're not ready. And it's not until their junior year or so that it clicks. Well, it's so like Garantano is a redshirt sophomore, and everyone's already made up their minds that he's either great or he's never going to be good. Well, it's like the you know it's like the Tyler Bird situation when he moved back to wide receiver. Everyone on you know a lot of people on our board were like, well, he's going to transfer. Like let's let's see him practice a couple times at wide receiver again first. You know, it's still a new staff. It's a new start for him. He tried it. They tried him at safety. It didn't work. Garantano was the number one. You know, anytime you're rated like, you know, the number one player at your position in anyone's recruiting rankings, you're going to come in with some hype. And not just that. He's a quarterback who's from basically New York City. And so people think that he's going to, you know, you you almost expect that he's going to come in kind of with this, you know, New York attitude kind of in the way that he goes about his and business. He does. And, and yeah. he, he does a little bit. He carries himself that way. And so then the Georgia Tech thing happened, and there's just a lot of things that came together to make it seem like that for him. But, you know, it, it is a big, big spring for him because I think Keller Chris gets a shot no matter what, and he should. But Saturday would be a good time for Garantano to just completely outshine Will McBride, to go out there and have a nice day, to get some confidence going, and to make it feel like when he's going into spring, like, okay, Keller, good luck. This is my job. Come take it. And if he doesn't or, do that, then it could be wild. Or open. to at least make it clear it's only a two-man job and not a three-man job because it still very easily could be. I, I know people are just looking at Garantano and, and Chris as the main contenders. In all likelihood, they are, but McBride still, I think, is in the mix at this point, and that as long as that's the case, it makes it an even more complicated battle once the, once Chris gets here. The, the thing be a Tennessee quarterback competition presented by the Go Balls 24-7 <laughs> podcast. The thing with Garantano is, I mean – you watch him in practice. You watch him throw routes on air. He looks great. He looks the part. He's got great arm talent. Always has. Always has. Um, you know, there there was talent. a reason we had him rank, or well, there was a reason that I don't know what we had him rank, but we had him rank pretty high. There's a reason that Urban Meyer wanted him at Ohio State. I mean, yes. he, he's clearly talented. But the knock with him has always been, how does he react when you put a defense in front of him? And I Football think gets harder. And, then. and I think it's you know we got to and you know everyone's got to remember that he's only he's not played that long in college. You know what I mean? It's like in in this instance now he's learning a new defense, and so he's having to sort of—I mm-hmm. don't want to say reinvent the wheel, but it's a new scheme. Like you know, 
new offense. Yeah, it's a new offense. It's you know, there's different progressions and reads and all that kind of stuff. And they pro style system a little yeah. bit more. So and he's going to be under center for the first time a lot. You know, yeah, yeah. I want to see what they show on Saturday in that way. Are they going to be under center the whole time? Or are they going to mix it up? I would imagine fifty fifty ish, but we'll see. I mean, when you when you, I mean, yeah, he's here. He's going through spring, and Keller Chris is not, but. If you look at just who has played in big games, I mean, Keller Chris has played. He's got more experience than the Garantano does. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Now, what Chris didn't have at Stanford was Tennessee's offensive line. Um, so that's we what we, we don't. What Good we don't, luck with all that. What we don't know is how Chris is going to respond when he's running for his life most of the game. So specifically, what I'll be watching with Garantano is decision making and yes. specifically quick decision making. Can he get rid of the ball quicker? You know, they're not going to have him live. I don't think so. He's not going to take any hits in this game, but. Is he waiting until the pass rush is almost on him to throw it, or is he making quick decisions and getting rid of it before his line can cave in, basically? Pruitt has, has praised both his quarterbacks for throwing the ball away. I don't think they've had too much in the way of turnovers from, yeah. from that position this spring. And makes I mean, I think there were two or three maybe in the yeah, last. Yeah, and Pruitt's, com- Pruitt's coming from a place in Alabama where uh, now in most games they just had so much more talent that it didn't matter, but their sort of formula for winning was – relying on his defense and playing. Don't let your quarterback beat you. Yeah. And, you know, they, they were going to – yeah, they're not going to make the quarterback make a bunch of plays. It's not like they had uh, – you know, when Tennessee had Josh Dobbs, Dobbs had to go make a bunch of plays for him to win. I've always said Alabama – playing quarterback at Alabama is the easiest job in the world because you've got all this talent around you and you pretty much just don't have to screw it up because all you have to do is basically score 21 points and you're probably going to win because your defense is amazing. And, you know, you have the, a great the, offensive line. You're just, a handoff specialist. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, speaking of Alabama quarterback, there's a lot of drama going on down there. I was apparently. about to say, yeah, <laughs> interesting uh, story. So, but, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I don't think it was ever fair to assume that even though Garantano was here this spring and Chris was not, that Garantano was going to lock the job up because um, when, when Chris was here on his visit, Jeremy Pruitt told him, I'm not going to tell you you're going to be the starter, but you're going to have the chance to compete. And so he was always going to get a chance, even if Garantano yeah. lit the world on fire this spring, which – I don't think he has. I think he. I think he's gotten better. I think he had a better second scrimmage than he did in the first scrimmage, but still um, up and down. Up and down. I think is a good way to put it. A little bit inconsistent. I think a lot of the team has been inconsistent, and uh, the quarterback's so relying on the on yeah. the offensive line and the receivers and everything. About that, the only consistent thing is that the offensive line has had its struggles, mm-hmm. and that the defensive line has sort of kind of edged that that it's, matchup. It's been hard for the run game to get things going between the tackles, yeah. so they've had to kind of get the, things outside. The receivers have had good moments and bad. I think. Uh, Marcos Calloway and Brandon Johnson have probably been their best two, the most reliable two. But mm-hmm. then uh, the other guys beyond them have been have been good, have had their moments, and have made their plays. But they've also had some drops. They had some drops in the scrimmage the other night. So it's never a good thing when your head football coach has to say that he's not quite sure how good you are rushing the passer or not because of all the problems you're having in offensive line. That's never an enviable situation between that and the quarterbacks being you know, not live for contact and in non-contact jerseys. You're always going to have some uncertainty there, but there is no question, guys, that they need to find something, anything that works there. And if that's basically taking another offensive tackle and putting them down as a tight end and just limiting your offense a little bit because you just got to block people, you got to do what you got to do um, to, to try to compete. And I don't know – all the different things they're going to try to do in that way. And I don't think they're going to show a ton Saturday. I don't know why they would. Uh, maybe a lot of, you know, kind of some some of that pro spread stuff a little bit under center. Um, you know, I, I think they'll kind of keep it a little bit simple and try to let guys compete. Um, but it, really quickly, is there anything else before we move on to uh, the RIP awards? Is there anything <laughs> Is there anything I, I in think terms of position battles, is there anything in terms of position of player, anything you're really interested to watch? I, I think just the guys who have changed positions lately, I think will be, I mean, maybe just for us because we see, you know, we've seen the usual suspects. We've seen Brandon Johnson and Nigel Warrior before. I think a lot a lot of the fans out there might be interested in seeing, you know, if those guys taken another step. But we're always interested in seeing the new and the different. And for us, that's the newcomers, the guys like Greg Emerson, and he's a position change that, that they made recently. Uh, Jordan Allen at linebacker, guys like that that we haven't seen play football before in a game at Tennessee. And then the guys who've moved over, you know, Malik Gray at corner, uh, Alante Taylor at corner, Carlin Fils and me at cornerback, all those guys that we've not yeah. seen play. Seeing a lot of guys move to cornerback, yeah. and that's, that's always a really good sign. Yeah. Well, that's what they had to do, and they didn't land any guys in, yeah. in, in, the, in the sign class. Uh, Wasn't uh, a need, but... 
Yeah. Who said that's a need? Um, <laughs> that may have been the one time where hashtag Pruitt lied. That might have been the one time. <laughs> Uh, Who said that? He was me? defending his guys, though, to his credit. And, you know, he he bought into players right there that he didn't have to defend, and that's I'll something die on that cornerback hill. And, and he he said this week that he doesn't think talent's an issue at cornerback, which yeah. is really interesting. Maybe he's just trying to give those guys confidence. Which Maybe might be he the is second, lying. Which might be the second time hashtag Pruitt lied. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pruitt, but, Pruitt lies. Brought to you by the Goals Twenty Four Seven Podcast. Uh, t- Taylor and Emerson are two interesting guys to me because they're two of the better players in the signing class, and a lot of people have been excited about them. Thought they were the future at receiver and yeah. defensive line, and now yeah. maybe they're not. Um, and Taylor's a really interesting case to me because, again, we've talked about it. You have – he was going to play wide receiver. He wanted the ball in his hands, but then you had two really elite programs, or they're now elite, that wanted him – liked him at defensive back. And one staff featuring one Jeremy Pruitt he, exactly, that wanted yes. him as a defensive back. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think – you know, we talked about quarterbacks. I think cornerback has, has been another problem issue, and that's another position where – you really can't hide it. I mean, you're going to, you know, Tennessee's going to come right off the bat and play West Virginia and Will Greer. So they're going to find out how good they are at cornerback real quick. They're going to uh, find out whether that pass rush is any good. Yeah, really yeah that, that too. And I mean, they're going to play a different style. They're, they're, you know, they're kind of starting over there a little bit as well with playing. Uh, they're going to play press. And I think a lot of people are excited that about that right now. They're excited about it, but then maybe that changes when they see that, the quarterbacks aren't very good at press coverage and get beat off the line or what have you. But, yeah. I mean, I, I think at that position, I think Bailey Buchanan and Sean Chamber may be sort of the number one and then maybe number two at this point. I think Buchanan, if they were playing an actual game on Saturday, would definitely be a starter. Other than that... What about Elante Taylor? We I, don't know I, that I, he's not. I think yeah. Schamberger probably would, would yeah. be a starter. He's sort of been in that nickel position as far as yeah, I know. He hadn't, hadn't been the spring, I think, that people wanted to see from him from what I've heard. But but, but he still, still probably would be a starter for yeah. this team. But I think he's a guy who this team absolutely needs because he's a, he's a solid athlete and a tough kid, and, and I think he can help him. And then you want to see what, uh, as Ryan mentioned, the three guys that they moved there. What can Malik Cray do? He was a safety, so people thought, and by some people I meant the three of us, thought <laughs> last year he might wind up at linebacker. No, yeah. he's a corner. Um, Carlin fills a me. Didn't see that one coming. Carlin fills a me. You hear Jeremy Pruitt say, you know, we need more people at running back. Well, you just moved a guy over for running back to play cornerback. And then obviously Taylor we've talked about as well. And then some guys that have been working from safety. I think I think there's going to be a lot of sort of versatility in the secondary with the staff. I think they're going to want those, I don't want to say interchangeable, but basically interchangeable. They're going to ask their safeties to play a lot of man coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of how... Seeing that in recruiting too, yeah. there's some safeties they're talking to that could be corners, and you don't it, see it, that as much it, with like the old staff. They didn't yeah. do that, and, and, and they've got and they've got a couple of guys that are kind of could be sort of fit that mold. And I think Theo mm-hmm. Jackson is one of them, uh, and Cheyenne LaBruz as well. I think are two guys that yep. they're sort of pseudo hybrid safety corners that I think the staff. I don't want to say they would recruited. Yeah, but they probably said that's you know they've probably got some skills that we can work with. Yeah, one man's creativity is another man's desperation. So I know that that they're having to be creative. Oh, now he's for a philosophizer. A <laughs> but you didn't even think I know what a philosophizer was. Dancer, philosophizer. Is there anything he can't do? Champion of life, all those things. It's a uh, Renaissance man. <laughs> yeah, basically, I can do everything at a slightly below average level. Every single thing at a slightly. I would say. Below average adequate level. level. Adequate. Yeah, slightly below average that's, can still be adequate. That's sort of a skill. You're yeah. like a C minus student. That's totally fine. But D, you're passing. D means degree. That's what D stands for. You know what they <laughs> call the lowest? Uh, what? How does that joke go? The last what guy you, that finishes bottom of his class in medical school. Graduate. No. Doctor. A doctor. Yeah. Way to get it wrong. <laughs> See. Again, if I were really smart, I would know that. <laughs> However, I'm not. I'm lucky that I can. Do push, we have the music ready to go? Remember, push these buttons here. Remember that joke the next time you go to the doctor. By the way. Yeah. So, so here's the thing, guys. For those of you wondering, kind of, how important are spring awards? Because, because the, the the bottom line here is, we don't know at the time that we're recording this podcast. Now that might change by Friday morning. But full disclosure here. We don't know for and sure. And we have checked. And we don't know that Tennessee knows for sure if the spring awards are going uh, to continue. And some so, of them, the Andy Spiva Award, yeah. the Harvey Robinson Award, those have been around for years. However, there were some <laughs> added by Lyle Allen Jones. That we feel pretty confident. We're pretty confident those aren't going to be around anymore. We're thinking two and, and for sure. But Patrick, do you have it Do you have it pulled up? The, no, the I'm list? not ready. Do you have the list of the awards ready? Um, yeah, let me, give me a second. Because we're setting this up in that, again, some of these awards have been around for years. And then there were some. I've got them. That were not around. And some of them 
Let me let me let me put it no, this way. I've guys. got them too. He asked me. I'm doing it. Yeah. Some of them have aged rather poorly. Some of them were were really shiny and pretty looking at the time. They, All right. So are we are we going to go through the the real ones first or the Butch Jones ones first? Uh, no, we're gonna we're gonna think that maybe Robinson and Spiva. I think those might yeah. stay, but but we'll go to some of the others here. Well, let's let's cue this up real quick. Awards that. All right. These were some of the awards, RIP, that we're pretty sure will not be around anymore. In memoriam, there was the 63 award. Mm-hmm. <laughs> RIP 63 effort. 63 effort. I bet that sign's also gone from the uh, meeting room. Probably. Uh, although who, no, and who won that last year? That uh, was Mark, Marquez Callaway. He asked me, Ryan. <laughs> and <laughs> Stay that, in your lane, LeVar. And that might have been... The most accurate award. The most accurate award that was given out last year. Um, the uh, Andy Spiva award goes to the most improved defensive player. Justin Martin won that one. Hmm. That one did not go according to plan. Um, Harvey, the Harvey Robinson award goes to the most improved offensive player. That went to tight end Jakob Johnson, who's a great kid, by the way. Unbelievable we, kid. We think those are sticking, so no RIP to those. Did names. Butch bring in the Al Wilson and yeah. Peyton Manning? Yeah, he those, did. Those were different. All right, well, get a, get a hold of this one, guys. Uh, Peyton Manning award for offensive leadership went to John Kelly. <laughs> Who, humble, again, a kid that I love, but uh, did get arrested at some point during the season. We're all a fan of John Kelly. Yes. But uh, that wasn't a good moment. For hey, me. it's going to be legal everywhere soon. Um, the Al, That's not – just hold that thought. Uh, the Al Wilson Teammate Award for Defensive Leadership went to Daryl Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Who may or may not have tried to beat the ever-living snot out of a teammate not long after that. Yeah, I think Trey Smith was whipping him pretty good in practice, and, and Daryl had enough, and then – Give him a little cleat to the face. Trey did not fall on a helmet, though. No. Thankfully Trey, Trey, Trey had to have surgery. And then finally, one more award that will be going um, by the wayside. Let's see. Uh, they have the Stucky Awards. Those are going to stay around, the, right? Maybe, Stucky yes. might. Yeah. Stucky, maybe. Stucky's Those are, but there's one more that definitely will not be back. Yes, the uh, the My All Award. That is it. Um, and Wes is going to hope this one stays around because it goes to walk-ons who are making a difference and half their team right feels like it's walk-ons although I unidentified will, walk-ons i will say they still use the my all on some things that did stick around for the volskers so hey, there's maybe the slightest of um, chances that you tell stick. me if tennessee the, it, wins its season opener hey, hey don't i haven't said his name yet so let me let me say who won that award last year uh the run the people who won that last year the walk-ons uh running back chip omer i believe he's still there i believe he's still on the team He's I don't know if those, he's on the roster. We don't have a <laughs> roster that really reflects that, uh, so hard to say. Brandon Benedict is definitely still on the roster. Yes, he is. Um, Thomas Edwards is not on the roster. No. Who was like a part-time coach, part-time walk-on player. Part-time stand-up comedian. He's yeah. a funny guy. Really funny kid. Um, and then I think the first guy listed under this on, on our site from last year, and I'm pretty sure Wes did this, and I'm pretty sure Wes put it this way, is that Paul Bain was a award winner of the Mile Award. Do you mean Georgia Tech most valuable player? Georgia Tech where game. He, most did did he work at the Foot Locker? Yes. And he worked at some sort of a farm or some at some point, too. <laughs> like a feed yep. store? Yep. And then you know what he did? He heroically blocked a kick to help Tennessee beat Georgia Tech. And, and avoid going 3-9. And avoid going 3-9. <laughs> so, so I know you guys... Want to know in games that prominently Jones, featured Paul Bain. Butch Jones lasted till November in large part because of Paul Bain. Yeah. So I know you guys will be showing up to the spring game and watching on TV for a lot of different reasons, but don't tune in looking for those awards to be given out this year. The My All Award, probably the Spring 63 Award, the Peyton Manning Award, RIP. RIP. the Al Wilson Teammate Award. Don't think you'll be seeing those this year. Does Alabama have three awards? I'm going to look that up real fast. I think they're, that's called, probably I think they're called National Championship Trophies or <laughs> Ring Presentations is, is what they do Probably there. fair. Probably. That would be my guess. Uh, Ryan, before we get out of here, uh, we would be remiss if we did not mention recruiting. Obviously, the, the spring game annually is a huge deal for recruiting. They usually have so many kids on campus that even I have to go cover some recruiting, which, as most of you know, is the Paul Bain of my existence. And <laughs> this is uh, one of those weekends. It's going to be – there's going to be a lot of a lot of kids uh, going on, a lot of a lot of visits, a lot of, a lot of hold, intrigue. Hold on. Uh, this is from two years ago, but Alabama apparently gave out sixteen spring awards. Ooh. Whoa! And there are a lot of there are a lot of guys listed on some of these awards. So you're saying they're a little like participation trophyish? They could add to what was already a pretty long list of awards for Tennessee. Now a lot of these awards appear to be named after former players, so that's probably why. 
Could be. There's a Mal Moore Leadership Award. There's they have awards named after Sylvester Croom. <laughs> Part star. What is this? This is Mace's welcome back. <laughs> Derek Thomas, Bear Bryant. So we might be having them come back. We, we could. Have, we have the rights to this music, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt that we do. This music brought to you by the Falls 24-7. Yeah, I don't know if you know that. All right, y'all are talking about recruiting. I interrupt you. Go ahead. Um, Brian, neither, neither here nor there. But, yeah, this this is – all right, so the spring game is always a big deal for recruiting. Um, you always have visitors throughout the spring, too. They've done a good job with that, getting guys on campus over the last several weeks, keeping, keeping me busy calling all these guys who visited. It's been like an endless stream of it. But um, – this year's different because you have official visitors. This is I don't I don't know if, if all the fans were even aware of it until this week because it's the first time Tennessee's dealt with it. But well, make them aware. But there is now a for this year for the first time a spring period in which players can take official visits. It goes from April to June. Uh, you used to not be able to take official visits until until your senior year started, basically September first of your senior year. So you until Tennessee started playing, basically you couldn't host official visitors. Uh, now this year, you know, when a player, if it's a big time target, especially approaches you wanting to take an official visit, what do you say if you're a coaching staff? I mean, it's a really interesting dilemma. And the fact that Tennessee's decided to go along with it with three, at least three guys that we know of at this point at the time of this recording that are scheduled to visit Tennessee officially this weekend. So one of those, a guy who'll be deciding soon, Wanye Morris, the top 100 offensive tackle from down in Georgia. That, is a, that, that kid is a, uh, a manimal in training. That's a large, large human being. Big kid and a really good player. And Tennessee and Auburn both really need offensive tackles, and they're battling hard for him. Uh, you know, Earlier this week, it looked like Tennessee was in pretty good shape there. The last 48 hours leading up to the time of this recording, it's been much more con- there's been much more conflicting information out there about it. So that's a real battle. He's taking an official visit to Tennessee this weekend, then going to Auburn next weekend. Anytime it's Tennessee versus Auburn, I've seen enough of this throughout the years. I'm telling we, you. We know how this goes. Don't get too excited. It's a fair wh- point. When, when it's Tennessee and Auburn and a lot of other teams, you know, the, hey, that's anyone's fight. When it comes down to Tennessee v. Auburn in recruiting, uh, it's the, it, Tennessee's Aub- not batting high there. Auburn's battling for his teammate, Owen Papo, also a five-star linebacker. So you just wanted to say that name. Four, T- Tennessee's four problem with going head up, head up, head up against Auburn for recruiting is that not only are you going against Auburn, but you're going against its bagmen too. That's uh that's that's unless Patrick, Tennessee has gotten its own bagmen. Auburn fans can send their their thoughts on that comment. It's the most cheatingest program in the history of college football. To Patrick I think that's a Brown fact. at P Brown two four seven on Twitter. I think that's Patrick a fact. Brown at CBS Interactive.com. Yeah. Um gonna steer clear of that one. <laughs> so now, ne- next week so, next week we can have a segment I'm just playing to my audience. Patrick's pa- mailbag. Patrick Brown's hate mailbag yep. brought to you by the Go Ball Swing, presented by the Go Ball Swing 4-7 <laughs> podcast. I will, I will gladly tune in for that one. Um, I'm just playing to my audience, guys. Uh, so Wanye Morris on an official visit. Everybody cheats. He's going to Auburn after that and then decide, announcing a decision on May 1st uh, with three of his teammates, including Owen Papo. So a lot to be decided, and it's an important visit for Tennessee, obviously. The other two official visitors, guys who are not likely to decide soon, Guys where Tennessee's, you know, battling and getting them on campus early maybe gives you a better chance of sticking around and being a major factor there. Um, so they're not necessarily as as pressing in their importance, but still important players because they're good. Um, Jalen Curry, a four-star receiver from Houston, uh, who's a former Florida State commitment. Do you mean the the, the Memphis suburb of Houston or Houston no. Te- Tejas? Uh, no, and that's that's not a suburb. That's, that's a, a suburb. High school. It's a high school in Memphis. Is it? Germantown. Germantown. Houston. Houston's in Germantown. You know, back when you were an honorary Memphian, you probably would have known that. But yeah. since you had that status revoked. That just shows you're not you an honorary know. Memphian. My brother's moving there. I think that makes me an nope. honorary Memphian. No. Nope. Negative. Barely makes him one. I don't know why Ryan is saying no, but no, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, neither one of y'all is actually from Nashville or Memphis. I'm just throwing that out there. You're both burbs. That's fair. I'm not even burbs. Um, anyway. Rural rural Nashville area. Yeah. So <laughs> Jalen Curry. <laughs> so Columbia? Yeah. And then... Uh, that's barely Tennessee. That's a, different, <laughs> that's a whole different country. <laughs> it's ironic that I say that because a lot of people are like, oh, Memphis is part of Mississippi. Um, Continue. Anyway, Jalen Curry. Um, he's a former Florida State commitment, so there is a connection there with Tennessee having a couple former Florida State staff members. Yep. Tino Sanceri was his main recruiter at Florida State. Four days mm. after Tino Sanceri is reported as being on Tennessee's staff, Tennessee offers him. So no surprise, Tennessee's in the running. They get a chance to host him this weekend. Uh, also, Chris Bogle, a four-star defensive end. Good like, name. Likely outside linebacker. It's Chris spelled with a K, so you'll like that, Wes. But, um, like, like Kaboom? Uh, yeah. Like Jesus Christo Bryant? Like, yeah. Chris Br- like Chris Cross? 
Yeah. But K H R I P. K H R I S. So a little different there. Mm, not not how, Chris Bryant. I don't know how I feel about this now. Um, so yeah, another another four star player, highly I'm ranked guy. I'm lukewarm now. Uh, a lot of people think that's a Florida State Miami battle. So you're trying to get a South Florida kid up here to to change that. He's wanted to visit Tennessee for a while. Hasn't made it happen yet. Maybe he likes elevation change. Well, so the official visit gives you a chance. You know, these guys. I I said it this way. I. Some people have kind of been questioning this week, why bring in official visitors this early? I think it's a good move if you're Tennessee for these guys from South Florida. A lot of times at best, you get these kids up in the summer. And even if it's the summer, sometimes that's too late. But if it's not the summer, you're bringing them on official visits during the season or after the season when it's really too late to make a move. You bring them in in the spring, you've got a chance to maybe put yourself up there and and kind of hang with Florida State and Miami in that one. So, So it's an interesting move, but I still think it's a good idea. And then you've got some other... Highly ranked guys, John Emery Jr., uh, a top 100 running back who's actually a Tennessee legacy, not a well-known one, but John Emery Sr., his dad was a defensive end and linebacker at Tennessee in, uh, I believe it was 93 and 94. Uh, hey, so, they were good then. Yeah. Um, so there's there's him. There's uh, Ramel Keaton, a four-star wide receiver from Georgia. And then some other important targets that are not four-stars, but still good players, I think, that you could see rise in the rankings. We don't even talk about three-stars on the Go Balls 24-7 <laughs> podcast. Uh, Shaheem Battle, a cornerback from North Carolina. And then Sean Brown, another guy deciding fairly soon. He's talked about announcing on May 12th. That's another Tennessee-Auburn battle, but one that looks like Tennessee might lead right now. So we'll see about all those, but that's just a sampling of the the long list of guys will be in town this weekend. Big uh, big visit weekend for Tennessee, and they had a bunch of guys on campus even last weekend, like Lance Will Hoyt, the four-star receiver from Nashville. So a lot going on in recruiting and uh, and a lot to follow this weekend uh, during the spring game. Ryan, let me spitball here for one second before we get out of here. I'm going to act like I just uh, shot you with a truth serum dart, and you have to answer this honestly. When you give these prospects names Don't on, like on the podcast, what percentage of the time would you say you're no, you know you're pronouncing them correctly? 95. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. There's some times that you don't know because you haven't talked to the kid yet to find out, hey, how do I not sound stupid when I say your name? Or like one of the greatest stories ever with uh, Denarius Moore when everyone thought his name was actually Darnius for the longest time because he was such a quiet kid that he never corrected anyone when they said his name was Darnius. So for the longest time people called him and wrote stories about him under the wrong name because Ooh. he never corrected them. And then eventually he was like, hey, by, by the way, you know, it's not my name, right? Yeah, that won't happen. It's like, well, really? That won't happen these days because if you say something wrong, even a, ra- a rating being wrong, a kid will tweet back at you and say, four star. Yeah, was a, <laughs> yeah, Ramey got that. That that was, oh, we should, uh, next time Ramey's on the podcast, uh, hopefully next week, we cannot let him avoid that question of what it was like to, to get called to the carpet by a kid on Twitter for referencing him as a three-star. Who would, again, in fairness, we had him as a three-star. Someone else had him as a four-star. Yeah. So when Grant wrote the story about the three-star guard or whatever, kid gets in four-star. Yep. It's like the first response. It's it's an identifying thing. These players, they it, it means a lot to a lot of them. But yeah, anyway, that's, I do try to ask uh, about pronunciations. I, you know, just a, just a couple this week that I talked to for the first time that I had to had to ask them how to pronounce their name. So yeah, most of the time, but there are times that you kind of have to guess. Yeah, these days, even if it looks like a regular name like Mark, I'm like, let me. I want to just make sure that's Mark, <laughs> right? You don't go by like Merrick or Marik or you're, you're really you're really it's just Mark, right? Merk. Merk. Like, like Tennessee had a fun a fun running back on campus last night. His name was fun. Uh, running back from yeah. South was Carolina. the was the kid fun or not? Uh, good, good conversation, but Fair yeah, enough. I mean, uh, but running back from South Carolina named Zy Cameron Robinson. Ooh, Z Y. You guys were both ooing to that. Yeah, Z Y K A M R E N is how you spell his name. Yeah, but everyone honestly, calls him Cameron, but it's yeah, Zy Cameron. I usually judge by two things: one, the name; two, the profile headshot of whether I want to cover that kid or not. Like that kid last year, the offensive lineman who ended up going to Baylor. I was so angry about that because yep. I just looked at his headshot and went. I want to cover that kid. Giancarlo Valentin. Yes. He was wearing like his uh, Wakanda shirt basically in the, uh, in the, in, in the headshot. And I was like, I want to cover that kid. His name is that. And he's wearing that shirt. I'd want to hang out with that guy. I'm just not saying. A, not an interesting kid, by the way. Not everyone who's going into the Kevin Revis mugshot hall of oh, man. recruiting. That is up there. Profile shot uh, hall of fame. His, uh, his, his glamour shot basically. Yes. <laughs> 
from Ray County. Definitely up there. Poor Kevin. Budding young, uh, successful college football coach now. He's the offensive line coach at Jacksonville State, correct? Yeah, he's doing a good job. That's a good program down there. Hopefully, he can make it back to Tennessee one day. Hopefully, he can get out of there because there's some nice people down there at Jacksonville State, but there's nothing there. I've covered a couple games there back in the day. I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying. Did y'all know Wes used to cover FCS football back when it was called Division One to Boy? I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, it was. They wore leather helmets. The teams had to walk uphill both ways to the stadium, even in the snow. Five people came to all the games. That's including the media. I had to run the scoreboard. <laughs> I was calling plays. One time they made me kick a field goal. You could play golf with the coaches on Sundays. All that. I, I could though, really throw. Yeah, that's that's actually that's an actual thing. That there, there there is one FCS coach that. I used to, when he wouldn't answer the phone after losses on Sundays, I would threaten, I'd text him and be like, hey, uh, I'm going to your house, by the way. If you don't st- if you don't pick up the phone, I'm going to your office and then your house, and I'm knocking on the door until you talk to me. Couldn't really do that these days. That, that boys and girls, is how you get to be a big J journalist. Capital J journalist. <laughs> threaten people and go to their house, set off Roman candles until they talk to you. I'm going to put a bunch of M80s in your mailbox. Don't do that, kid. That sounds like a felony. Yeah, then I would have been to jail as a kid. You would have gone to Big J Jail. Yeah, capital J Jail. Patrick, any final thoughts? No. We'll be back next week. <laughs>